Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Just to let you know, I misspoke at the beginning of the podcast when I introduced uh, Paul Bigger, our guest, who had written the piece, I Can't Sleep, in terms of the tech industry's relationship to Israel and what is going on, the ongoing genocide in Gaza. I introduced Paul as um, as the CEO of Circle Line, and the actual company's name is Circle CI. And the reason why that's even more relevant now is because as of uh, yesterday, Paul received a notification effective December 22nd. Paul Bigger is no longer a director at Circle CI. We thank him for his contributions on the board and wish him the best for what's next. Paul tweeted out, actions have consequences and that's okay. This is where we are now, where people speaking out, making a stand, it's costing them their professions, it's costing them their jobs, it's costing them their standing in certain communities. Uh, so do have a listen to this fascinating conversation with, with a man who has clearly used his privilege, his position, to speak out for what he believes is right. And that really shouldn't be something that is punishable by uh, social ostracism or, or indeed uh, financial ostracism. I also need to ask you to help us. If you are listening to these podcasts, if you get something out of them, please give something back. The easiest way is to join us. It's at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. The link is at the very top of the podcast you're listening to right now. It's a couple of quid to you, but it helps us keep going into 2024 and enables us to have the conversations like the one you're about to listen to. The same we use all the time is there's a difference between compassion and solidarity. Compassion is caring about some of the topics that we cover. Solidarity is giving us the couple of quid that helps us enable to keep covering those topics because there is no other income source for the Tortoise Shack. It is purely you guys. We don't have ads or sponsors and we simply don't want to go down that corporatization route. So if you can, one more time, patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and folks, we have had a lot on our plates. We've been covering events in Gaza since the offset, of, since October 7th. I recall the first text message I got from my friend Mahmoud Mushtaha on the morning of October 7th when he notified me that Hamas had uh, breached the barrier and had entered. Uh, and I just want to say straight off the bat and not to, to scare people, but for but the last voice note we got from Mahmoud was when he described what he called the morning from hell. And yet here we are now, and I still have not been able to make contact with him while he was in Gaza City 11 days ago. And that, that includes contact with friends of his who haven't been able to make contact because we know people have gotten separated. The last word I had was that he was okay. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop you worrying. And more importantly, it shows you the effectiveness of the blackout that we can't even get domestic phone calls in, international calls in. And when, and when, you know, we were using eSIMs, we're using all the ways we can. They're working for many. But if you're, if you're in the center of Gaza, it is literally a black zone. So, so it's pretty, pretty rough. Um, speaking of, um, black zones, Martin, how are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. And it is a while since we've had contact, Tony. And, you know, it is amazing that a conflict is going on like that in the world and that there is no media on the inside. It is. It's utterly amazing that that is happening and that it's been allowed to happen. I can't think of anywhere else. You know, there was even people on the ground in Rwanda when that was happening. But there's nobody or, very, you know, simply nobody from the outside on the ground. It is 
It's stupendous. Uh, well, look, we will look. The reason we're having this conversation is because uh, a, a an Irish man in in America wrote a very interesting blog called "I Can't Sleep." Um, it went viral. There's no two ways about it. It went viral, um, and it went viral. And I and I'm, and I'm going to put it to you, Martin. You probably noticed because. Who was saying it more so than what was being said? Some of the things that were said on it, we would agree with already. But so, who was saying it mattered? And the reason it matters is because Paul Paul Bigger is is um, as I said an Irish man, but he's also the CEO of Darkline and the founder of Circle Line. And Paul is um, not your typical uh, Marxist leftist communist. <laughs> Paul, uh, you're very much not that at all. So, Paul, thank you so much for talking to us. And how are you? It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. It's look. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. We really appreciate you taking the time. Look, you're in New York right now. You put that blog up. I can't sleep. And um, when you wrote it, as you hovered your finger above the button that said publish, did you think it was going to be a shitstorm, or did you think this is? Um, I just uh, what compelled you to, to push that button? Because we all have those those drafts that we never hit publish on. How did you feel about it? I mean, lo- like a lot of these things, you know, it wasn't wasn't a draft at that point, you know, something I'd put, I put days and days of work into. So I'd, I'd, I'd passed through the, uh, the, the part of it where I'm like, holy shit, maybe I should just press delete and, and put this away. Um, you know, I've been through rounds of feedback with people who are like, are you sure you want to do this? Um, you know, I was very much, very much aware that I was burning a lot of shit down by doing it. Um, but you know, that, you you can't get away from the nervousness of that. Like that, as as the finger you know hovered over the button, I'm like, Jesus Christ, am I really going to do this? Like, did did <sighs> it did it strike you at the time that the subject matter you were writing about and what you were feeling, that pressure that you could not speak or that pressure that it was going to be dangerous to speak, I I presume that wasn't lost on you when you were writing the piece. I mean, you're literally well, I, writing about your own experience, yeah. the pressure you feel not to speak. I mean, I, I spent, I spent weeks sort of like thinking, I'm not doing anything. You know, this is like, I was, I was on, I was on holiday with, with my girlfriend in, in South of France. We, we went to the, went to the rugby world cup, you know, and I'm like, we're at the rugby world cup and, and there's bombs being dropped in Gaza. Like it's just, it's just really hard to reconcile the fact that we're just living a normal life while, while a genocide is, is, is happening over there. Um, so yeah, I wasn't, um, you know, I, I wasn't sort of, you know, the thing wasn't really wasn't really lost on me. But I, I was I was just feeling it the whole time, and I was like, there's, I feel like there's nothing I can do. And I was I was trying to think, what can I do? And I, I gave some money to someone, and that just felt you know, felt empty. Um, and and I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm good at writing. I've I've written things before, and so I tried to I tried to come up with different things I can write, and and they're all. They're all such bullshit. They're all like, I have no moral authority to talk about like the history of Gaza or like you know research human rights law or, or something. So so all I could really write is like, you know, I'm fucking, you know, th- th- this is what I'm feeling. This is what other people are telling me. They're feeling this thing's happening. We're fucking do, useless. Do you think it's um, gone viral because you put skin in the game, Paul? I was part of it, um, but. The, the the major message I've got back from people, um, I would say, got thousand messages at least that, that that say, you know, you were saying what what we wanted to say, 
And can we, oh, so, so I, uh, we need to rewind the tape back because, you know, obviously we've said you've introduced you as, as a Dubliner in New York, but you are in uh, the tech industry. So, so, so tell us yeah. who, who Paul Bigger is in terms of why it's, as I said at the outset, why you saying it actually had more of an impact than Tony Groves, the, the lefty podcaster. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm 40-ish, 42. Uh, I went to, I'm from Dublin, I, I went to Trinity, uh, did, a, did a PhD in computer science, and then headed off to, to Silicon Valley. I was a part of Y Combinator, which is the really big sort of, you know, tech ex- startup accelerator. Um, I uh, raised money for a company called CircleCI, uh, which is now, you know, five, 600 people. Uh, it's raised 300 million. It was last valued at 1.7 billion dollars, um, and I ran that for the first for the first four years. And then in 2017, I started uh, a new company called Darklang, and that's a sort of a next generation developer tooling, like software engineering. Um, and we raised another five and a half million for that. So it's like I'm I'm known. I I, I know all these people. I've written. I've written a bunch of blog posts before that that, that went viral or were well received. People, yeah, I, I'm not like I'm not super famous, but I'm I'm known in um, in, in your yeah. circles of influence, Paul, and you you exist within circles of influence. Did you find that you were a, a lone voice within those circles of influence? No, no. Um, that was that was one of the things I, I, I realized. I was talking to people in October, November, who were like very powerful people in the grand scheme of things. Um, people that maybe you wouldn't have heard of, but in tech, you know, I say this person's name and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I love that guy, he's great. And, and they're saying that they can't speak up. And the reason they can't speak up is because of this, this sort of like system is everything's interconnected and everything's connected to money. And you need one of the the defining things that your startup needs is money. And if it has money this year, it needs new money next year. The All of these companies hire more people than they can afford. And that's that's the game, right? You know, you, you raise money so that you can hire more people than you can afford so that you can grow faster. And that's how companies like Stripe become these, these huge companies. The, they invest a lot of money into it. And so no matter what, you need to raise money next year. And you need to raise money from very powerful, very rich, and usually mid-right-wing to quite right-wing. And I'm, I'm talking in the U.S. sense, where, where everyone's kind of much righter than, than Ireland anyway. Um, and if you don't raise money next year, then you lay off your staff. You maybe see an end to the thing that you've been working for five to 10 years on. And most people in tech, they're working 60, 80 hours a week. I mean, the, the founders I'm talking about. Um, and if you've been working on that for, for five years and, you know, your, your life, your, your partner, your kids, you know, all this sort of thing are like tied to, um, how quiet you keep or like towing the party line, you're going to shut the fuck up. And just when, like, as you put that, that's actually, 
you know, um, Ireland interestingly introduced coercive control laws for the first time, and we've seen successful prosecutions of how how partners have used coercive control, be it financial or emotional coercive controls. And we've seen successful prosecutions in a famous case recently where a, 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 for, a former Garda had had abused a partner using his influence as uh, uh, to, to make her, you know, to control her life. And this is a form of coercive control because it's financial coercive control that... Yeah. Uh, but you looked at that and you went, still makes me feel sick. That's you, And you literally say in your piece that you felt physically sick and affected by this, knowing that this is what was, why yeah. we were quiet. So how how did how did you decide? Well, well, and excuse the language. Well, fuck it, I'm going there anyway. Well, you know, I, I called the piece. I can't sleep, and the reason is I I couldn't fucking sleep. Like I was, you know, lying awake thinking of of Palestine. I've 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 never been to Gaza. You know, I've, I've never been to Israel. I, I just I don't know anything about um about the region really. And yet I was just like. I mean, I don't want to say obsessed, but I, just, I couldn't. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about how this like modern genocide is happening, and we're, um, you know, we're just we're going to work. But the thing that really affected me is is on top of that, right? Because th- there's been a background for years of in, in America, you know, kids kids put in cages and abortion rights being rolled back, and and you know hundreds of thousands, millions of people dying of COVID, you know, all these sort of things, you know, it's, it's sort of like background noise, but the, what I started seeing is, is the people that I personally respected people who had invested in me, people who had given me money in most cases twice, um, who, who were saying things that were like sometimes awful and sometimes just like, you know, having a little bit of fun with this whole genocide thing. And I know that, that that affected me. Yeah, I mean that, that that was the thing that sort of pushed me over the line, and that was that kind of ended up being the point of the piece. It's like, you know, who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you saying? This is this is untenable. Do you do you think your cultural background of being Irish, Paul, and having our history makes you more acutely aware of genocide, of the nuances, and how how difficult it is to? actually draw a line and say very clearly this is genocide and we mustn't be afraid to say it's genocide. Do you think that's your cultural Irish or do you find that with other tech people who are from very different backgrounds to yourself? So the, I would say there's a, there's a lot of tech people who, who are able to recognize this. Um, it, re- it really depends on how far outside of the tech bubble they've been able to go because a lot of tech people you know, they're they're Americans, they grew up, they went to college, they went to Harvard, and then they shipped off to Silicon Valley and they, you know, tweet about AI all day. It's like, all right, fine, you know, that's that's a thing that that, that happens. I international people, much better, much broader understanding of the world. America often often don't know what's happening outside their borders. Um, but the cultural Irishness is is absolutely part of it. I mean, firstly, you know, we're we're one of the only countries that, or we're one of the only Western countries that was a colony. Um, you know, that's that's part of our it's part of our psyche. There was the the troubles, as we funnily enjoy calling them, which is ridiculous. Americans don't understand that at all. Um, but you know, we 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 understand that perhaps in in a sense that that there sometimes there are conflicts where there isn't a good side. But there are just people on on both sides, 
um, and there isn't one of them that, that that's right. Um, I think we are. I think that the idea in Ireland is we all know we're on Team Palestine. We might not know the history, um, but for the most part, you, if you're Irish, you you know Palestine is is the right guys in this conflict, whatever that means. And so I, I definitely. I definitely didn't know very much, but I knew which team I was supposed to be on. And that definitely, you know, when you're an American, you know, you're supposed to be on the opposite team. You kind of have this idea and then you start looking into it. And it's like, you see the signs of, of colony and oppression, um, and all the sort of thing that, you know, we learned and you, you know, I, I I'm looking at the news and I'm seeing Michael Collins. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, but like, like I'm, um, just here on to, to my left, um, Naomi Klein sat there a, a few weeks ago and we were talking about um, pre, this is pre-October 7th, and we were talking about Gaza and Palestine because two chapters in her book were about the situation and her as a leading Jewish voice and a member of Jewish Voices for Peace, she had said, you know, in the in the battle between um, between the, the, the child and the gun, you always stand with the child, no matter no matter whose child, no matter whose gun. It's right. pretty bloody simple when it comes down to it. And I think we yeah, get that yeah. from an Irish point of view. But here's the challenge to Irish listeners. And Paul, you probably have a deeper understanding than than we do of this. Ireland is a tech hub. Ireland is um is 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 mm-hmm. the you know Dublin is the is the is the Silicon Docks, and there's a lot of silence that 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 actually uh, that that. That, that can pay, that can pay for just by what we talked about earlier that coercive control have you have you yeah. have you sort of any thoughts on that so i i think ireland is is very deeply connected to america not just um on on the tech side of things but i mean for our, our tourism and you know we read an awful awful lot of americans come over you know drink some whiskey drive around the country um, a, a lot of our tourism is is based on this, um, and and of course tech and you know the the wonderful economy that we've been building since the nineties is is intrinsically tied to um, to America, and even you know the the young Irish startups they all go off to America. You know some of them come back, some of them don't, um, and you know that that the people that we are connected to are. Silicon Valley, but it's also just like the American, you know, regime for, for, for want of a better word. The, um, we are, I think a little bit, um, maybe afraid of the, of the hand, you know, biting the hand that feeds us. Um, and I think that it's, you know, sort of, sort of one of these things with, with a colony sometimes. I mean, I'm not saying that we're a colony of America, but, you know, often they'll, they'll let us say what we want for a while and we can do like little protests and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's because we're not doing anything real. And if we were to start doing anything real, um, you know, I think, I think things wouldn't be quite, uh, quite as nice. You did mention fiscal conservativeness. And America would be synonymous with that, Paul. Europe is synonymous with that. There's no getting away from it. We live in a very fiscally conservative Western world. We've spoken to economists on on on, on this podcast, and yes, they will agree. You know, economists are generally to the right of politics, and they generally are. And it's not, it's not a criticism. It's simply a fact to state that they're to the right. Do you think that? That needs to change, that sort of conservatism about money in general, not even just in relation to Palestine, but 
you know, does that keep a certain elite in power? Is that what stops other people coming through that physical conservativeness? I'm not, I'm not the best person to talk about, about economics, but I do, I do notice that the people who are on the right in the US love to, love to bring out economists to, to talk about sort of metrics of society versus the people in society. Um, and the, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're more than happy to, to talk about specific numbers of inflation and, and specific things and like this. I mean, you know, in Ireland, that, that's, that's why you read like we're doing better than we've ever done. And I read the students can't afford to, to live near their, near where they went to college. You know, it's like, what the fuck is going on? It's, 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 we we have a great GDP, but we, we don't have a measurement of happiness. We do, we do, Martin, we do. We have, we we have well-being indicators that haven't been introduced and we don't want to introduce them because they will show that in the same year that we had the fastest growing economy yet again in the EU, we had the largest growth ever in the history of the state of people at work at risk of poverty. Think about that. You know, they were more so like they're more dependent on something like a rent assistance payment to stay in their homes. And that makes no sense because what you've what you've referred to, Paul, actually reminds me there's an Irish poet, Emmett Kirwan. And he has a saying in, in one of, he has a poem called Temple Bar and he refers to, they'll give you as much liberalism as you want, as in those, you can go out and protest, uh, but once you mess with property rights, they will beat you like a snare drum. <laughs> and and this is this is very much the sort of mindset that 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 when we look at um biting the hand that feeds Ireland is uh, there it's it's fine like it's financial imperialism we see it and we see it in other countries you know where the IMF can jack up the interest rates overnight but when we look at it in Dublin we know that well five big companies make up make up over 50% of our corporation tax rates. So let's not piss them off. And we only have to look at what happened to the CEO, the former CEO of Web Summit, Paddy Cosgrave, and how he found himself very quickly on the outside. I mean, you, you must, you must yeah. have seen that and, and thought from, from afar. Like, really, in, in Ireland, um, speaking out on Palestine was, was, was a problem because that doesn't jar with what we've, we've talked about for the first 20 minutes here. I mean, every, everyone in tech saw that. The, it was very much like a shot fired across the bow. And, you know, we, we, we now know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the, the, the article by Lee Fang and Jack Paulson, that this was uh, a staged operation, that there's a WhatsApp group with lots of VCs and senior executives who are Israeli and members of the IDF who are, you know, very deliberately um, trying to create silence about um, you know, about Palestine, trying to distract from, from what's going on in Palestine. And honestly, that was, that was one of the reasons I, I, I wrote the post and I, and you know, that, that this came out and it's like, oh shit, you know, this is, this is actually, you know, it's not just people being afraid. It's, it's, pe- you know, uh, what's, what's that saying? It's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, when you consider you'd seen what happened to Paddy and you still had published Paddy's, on the Paddy's back. He's back on Twitter. He's now firing. I, I, I hear he's fired off a lot of lawsuits, but he's firing one at Bessemer. Or, you know, it's like, eh, the, yeah, I, I'm aware that, 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 that it, he's a controversial it, figure in Ireland, but, I, but he wasn't back. He wasn't back when you pressed publish. So I think he was. 
Was he? Well, I mean, I still think he, so he, he wasn't back as CEO. What I mean is that he was, you know, this article had come out by Jack Paulson and Lee Fang that sort of exposed what actually was happening. And when you when you realize that it is, you know, it's an army over there, there's an army over here, you know, it's a lot easier than, than there's a nebula, nebulous you know, conspiracy going on somewhere. But it's 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 a funny because you say about that the old phrase, you know, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get me. But we also we see that play out time and time again because the other issue for Ireland is Ireland is also the home of um the European headquarters of many of these large tech companies. Um and Therefore, when there's EU litigation, they tend to land through come through Dublin and they tend to they tend yes. to hit a bottleneck. Because that's that's yeah. part of the role we play. Um, I mean, that's that's why they're. I mean, no, it's not the only reason they're they're here, but it's a, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a nice to have. I would, one of the phrases I think we use is Ireland come for the low, come for the low tax rates, stay for the lax legisla- uh, lax legislation. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. But ju- I sorry, can, go ahead, Martin. Can, sorry, can I ask Paul if you wouldn't mind? So you're in south of France. You're watching the rugby with your girlfriend. And now you are, and it's you are viral, and everybody's talking about this piece. Can I ask, from your girlfriend's perspective, how's she dealing with the change? Uh, you know, she was joking earlier that she's happy to be a little trad wife who's like, you know, making sure that I'm fed while while this thing is happening, which is absolutely not how she is uh, <laughs> normally. Um, you know, she's a she's a lawyer. She runs a business. Um, you know, she's, she's wonderful. And, you know, she's like, she's like, well done with your little fame. Would you like a hug? (laughs) (laughs) Paul, I find if I get called, if if I get called by my full name, I'm in trouble. You know, so, so, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure at one point she said, uh, she said, Paul Bigger, I need to talk to you. (laughs) You know, like, um, (laughs) I'd imagine that conversation did happen though. But, um, look, we won't pry too much, but, but do you feel that it's going to, it's going to affect you? going forward do you feel that this is going to actually yeah i mean it's it's very difficult to say how the exact you know flow of capital is going to go when i need to raise money next um i i'm in a very fortunate position financially my previous company did well i managed to sell some of it i'm doing grand you know and that, that I mean, honestly that was one of the reasons i wrote i wrote the post i realized that you know, I'm I'm looking at these people. Some of them have a lot more money than me, who who are still you know in the system because they have employees, they have the thing that they've been working on for years that is going to die if if they don't get the money next year. And I realize, well, actually, the thing I'm working on right now is not doing that well. You know, the money next year is is a bit iffy. I might have to put in some money myself. I'm doing fine. If this if this you know if this dies, I might retire. Um, and yeah, I had a lot more safety than than the vast majority of people um, out there. That was kind of one of the reasons I, I, I realized that there's not very many people who are going to be willing to write this post um, in the first place. Well, there mightn't be many willing to write it, Paul, but you were the right man in the right place at the right time. And if you can prompt others to be willing to take on board what you've written, and and I think what you've written, we have to come back to what you've written. It's very important that you say, we've got to own this. We, We have to stand up and say, this is what it is. We have to say that, that what Israel and the US are doing 
is wrong or if you feel silenced you have to say that and i think it's really important to come back to that and say this is why you wrote it mm-hmm. yeah I, I i was definitely i was thinking a lot about ireland while while i was writing it because you know the the, the connections are are very obviously there but also you know my my history here like my my um uh, my dad is a is a human rights diplomat. He was an Irish diplomat. You know, he spent twenty years of his career in human rights. So I was you know raised in a very, with very Irish viewpoints. And when you're in America, you recognize that how how valuable they are. Like when, when you're when you're in Ireland, maybe you know you think things can be a little parochial and I think a little local. When you're when you're in America and you're looking back and you're seeing abortion rights are being created in Ireland gay marriage is being created, trans rights, and you're looking in America where everything's gone backwards. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to be like quite proud of Ireland for, for, from a distance. Um, but at the same time, you know, this, this idea of Ireland as a tech hub, you know, I'm looking back and everyone's going to protests and everyone's, you know, they're speaking up in the doll and it's, it's all very, it's all very safe, right? It's you know, these are things that you're allowed to. You can have someone speak in the um, in in the European Parliament. You can have people give speeches in the doll. You can have you know Sinn Fein TDs tweeting about it. This is that's fine because you know the, the country is actually not really doing anything as a you know as a specific action. Um, I'm sure you're, like, you're, I think you're, I, you've absolutely no, nailed it, Paul, because I was fortunate to speak at a thing in, in Leinster House about what was happening in terms of media coverage. And one of the one of the contributors just before me was from Jewish Voices for Peace and wonderful speaker. But she, but she had made the point that the Irish government had, you know, made these these really good, uh, commendable statements. And I got to my feet and I went, um, yeah, but we've left the occupied territories bill, um, on, on the shelf since 2014. You know, like we could actually take steps that would make, like if Ireland decided in the morning to recognize the state of Palestine, an EU country has then done it. It's not just Ireland's doing it. It's creating an issue then within the EU. And why shouldn't we create, you know, be doing more? Um, and I, to go back to what I think you might be hinting at, do we only go so far as to know that we we're allowed to do this much, but the rest of it, we don't want to piss off the guys that that are that are maybe down Sir John Rogerson's key. Yeah. Is that what is that um, is that what you're kind of pointing at? Absolutely. I mean, when 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 the you know the the economy is so connected, the people are going to be very aware of of what it is that they can that they can do and what and what what they can't do. There's there's this idea that that I've seen in in sort of American leftist circles about um, it's called the axis of allyship, and the idea you know if you're all the way on on you know on the bad side of the axis of allyship you're you're saying Nazi shit right, and but the opposite of that is not not saying Nazi shit. The opposite of that you know that that, that that's the middle. If you want to be the opposite of that, you have to be actively doing things and you know, actively doing things is good lots of people in Ireland are actively doing things but you have to be actively doing things that cost you things that are expensive that have um you know that that, that have repercussions for you know your life and I, I i think i think ireland could could move a little bit on that you know just to be diplomatic um mm-hmm. and 
you know, as as you say, they they don't recognize Palestine. That would be that would be amazing. Uh, no better time to do it than today. Um, and and I think the other thing is is to recognize the pressure in this conflict. There's there's no pressure on Israel that anyone can apply that is going to do anything except the United States. And so the only pressure that we have available to us is to the United States. And and for for the folks at Jewish Voices for Peace, it's amazing that like a country is speaking up about Palestine because that's not what's happening here. But by contrast, Jewish Voices for Peace are shutting down bridges. They're shutting down Grand Central Station. They're going to jail, you know, for for the things that they're doing. And that that is the sort of allyship that has a real cost and yeah, I would I would love to see Ireland do things that have a real cost and you know, frankly, that real cost is going to have to be pissing off our benefactors across the Atlantic. Thank you. And thank you for saying that. And to be honest, you've come on here and you don't know Tony or I from Adam, from Adam, and you've said so at the beginning. And But you've just encapsulated what we see we do our, ourselves that we do is different. I put my ass on the line to be an activist, to be a whistleblower, and I put my ass on the line in every way possible, financially, personally, emotionally. I put it on the line. I put skin in the game, and I piss them off. And that's, right. what, and that's what I do. Tony does it too. And Tony I, does I, it too. I give so you- <laughs> that's why I was really interested in doing this podcast with you. I like people who will put their ass on the line and say, I'll put skin in the game. And if you lose, you get a kicking and you take the kicking because you stand it on. And can I make, and that's can I make one point of what to take, not to give ourselves any, any laurels. We don't deserve them. But what Paul has said actually rings really true in terms of allyship. There's a difference between saying I'm an ally and there's a difference between being an active ally. And this is active, active allyship is what you've actually done. You've actually made it possible then for other people within your community in terms of your industry to feel more comfortable to do it because you've done, you've taken that step forward. Martin always uses the phrase, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Paul, you stepped out into the sun. So, so well done on doing that. But if anybody's listening to this, and I know thousands of you will be, some of you are working in industries where you feel like you, you can't speak about this. You have to. The onus is on us to do that. And Paul, you end that in your piece with a call to action saying, you know, we have to make it difficult. We have to look at the people where the sources for the money are who are whitewashing genocide. And we have to talk about the companies that take funding from the firms that benefit from this. And we also have to say, do we really want to start our projects with the organizations that are currently benefiting from a genocide and ethnic cleansing and and i think in summary for me um i think that was a really brave thing for you to do at the end even if i do think as martin says you've put skin in the game and you probably get a kick for it yeah i mean when when you have the level the level of privilege that i have at this point i know we love we love the word privilege on the left but you know what's the point of having privilege if you're not going to spend it you know, you can't can't take it with you. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm happy to spend it. I would love to see Ireland spend the privilege that that they've spent a long time earning. Um, I have a fun little I have a fun little idea for for how they for how go they on, spend go, it. Go 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 go. Uh, I think they should uh, ban uh, and or suspend, let's say the uh, the visa waiver. Uh, thing 
for Americans coming to Ireland, like that would that would set fire. It would set a lot of fucking fires. Oh, 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 that would. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be very expensive, you know. Nothing, nothing is as strong a statement as when it really fucks you over yourself, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And I do. Look, okay, you are in a position of privilege, but what you've done is you've used your agency and you've used the power that you have and you've spoken to your sphere of influence. And that's most any of us can do is convince our own sphere of influence. And you've ticked mm-hmm. all those boxes and you put your ass on the line. So thank you very much for coming on to having this conversation. I think it's an interesting idea. Do I think the Irish government would go for it? Oh, well, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to oh. say take up the charge and say they should look at it. And not only should they look at it, they should look at the fact that an Israeli settler in the West Bank, the illegally occupied West Bank can currently come to Ireland whenever they want, but a Palestinian can't. We, there's little things we could do, Martin, that could change that very there's, quickly. There are certainly, there are certainly tweets Lit, that could and, be made. And, and, and they would send messages. So, Paul, you, you've hit upon something. I think it's really important. Then again, if you're listening to this, folks, I know people from the Irish Palestine Solidarity um, community listen to this. Think about those little things that we can, levers that we can pull. And let's, let's start pulling on them all because we, because yes, it's, it's important that we continue to march. But like, you know, no, I think this is great to get this perspective and it's a credit to you that you that you've that you've done that so thank you again and um if, if the next time you're back in dublin if we can uh, get you if, if we're allowed southside we might meet you but we generally don't cross the, the liffy you know <laughs> um, understandable it's, it's dangerous yeah. over there <laughs> yeah it is yeah the smell of cologne <laughs> would make you faster you know? maybe there's one thing i'd like to add to that the um you know while, while we're talking about you know how dangerous it was for for me to do this or whatever having done it I, I cannot, I'm just like fully overwhelmed with the messages that are coming in, all of who, all of which are massively supportive. The, some guy offered me to stay at his house if I, if I run out of, of money or whatever. And so like, whatever risks people take, you, you'll pay for them, but you'll get it back in, in some other way. And that, that's true as a country as well as, as individuals. And we can't let it pass without saying, and, and you picked a good girlfriend if she's standing by you through the whole thing, Paul. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much, guys. Yes. An absolute privilege. I'm going to end on a downer, folks. And um, we've been, we mentioned the, the lack of communication. We, I, so the, the good no, news is we, I put out an appeal to some of our patrons to, to, fulfill a slot that we needed to to get people e-sims for for the next 15 days and within 16 minutes the whole thing was done 16 minutes our patrons stepped up and helped us keep the the show on the road and um, but what i had what i had then was a series of voice notes of one of our um, regular contributors whose sister died because of a lack of access to medication because of a simple thing like diabetes so Bear in mind that while we're talking about this, this is this is playing out in real time. So just please, 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 please don't forget about what's happening in Gaza. Keep speaking out and we will continue to do so. Thank you, Paul. And not so much, Martin, but we will be back in your feeds very, very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Subscribe now on Patreon.